We are live, Michael. Good. Hello, audience. Hello. Now, the funny thing about this is, I know there's quite a few of the audience out there because they talk to me about it, but I just can't get my head around why the fact they don't like it. Maybe they don't like it. Let's maybe if there start. Was a, yes. Maybe if there was a dislike button, people would press it. Let's start today with... Ladies and gentlemen, every week we do this live stream, and on a Sunday I then take the audio off the live stream, turn it into a podcast so you can listen to it in your cars, and we do it because it promotes the business, so let's get it right, we know why we're in it, we're in it because it's a great promotional thing to do, but we're feeling a little bit hurt and lonely, in as much as... We speak to people all week and they go, oh, I saw your thing on the on LinkedIn and on YouTube the other day. Yeah. But what does nobody ever do? Nobody likes it. Or now, shares it. Now I, don't, now, I just want to be clear about this. If you're a salesperson and you like this video, it doesn't mean that your boss thinks you're looking for a job. Or sharing it. It doesn't mean it you're doesn't looking mean for you're a job. It doesn't mean you're going to get fired. Yes. Now, but if you're nice. all scared of your bosses and you daren't click it... How are we ever going to become the Casey Neistat's? of LinkedIn if nobody subscribes, shares, or does whatever. So hit the like button, hit the share button, do us a favour. If nothing other than to let us know we're not going mental sat here on a Friday afternoon. And with that, I think we should begin. Mike, we're on chapters three and four. We are. You can't teach now, a bike to now, ride a kid's school at the seminar. did have a slight issue at this, because I had to take my daughter to Taekwondo on Wednesday, and I normally take my book with me, but I forgot my book. So actually, I had to listen to Audible for Chapter 3 and take notes. So I'm here with my phone to tell you what I thought. Right, so you've listened to the audiobook. And then took notes as I was listening to it. Right. So but anyway. So, uh, question one is, Michael, is is listening to audiobooks still reading? Uh, I don't think it is if I'm in the car, because I can't take any notes. But I was listening to the audiobook. And taking notes, and I actually needed to watch the England game on Plus One, on ITV Plus One. So normally I sit at Taekwondo with my, my headphones in, listening to music, but I couldn't this time. So I had to have the audio book turned up so loud because they were watching the England game in the background. <laughs> so uh, is it still reading? Don't know. We'll find out. Sue's cleverest out of you and I. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, I'm actually, as you know, a massive fan of audio books. I know you're a fan of this book. Am I a fan of this book? I'm enjoying it much more than Jordan Belfort. What did you make of this bit? If the competition is doing it... Stop, stop it right away. Do something else. It doesn't matter what else. Just Well, it's funny I highlighted it. Oh, I wrote it in my nose, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I highlighted it. Um, uh, so, it, it's obviously done something to touch What with. if the competition is doing the right thing? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, let, let's just caveat a little bit. Chapter 3 is titled The Evolution of a Training Programme that will teach you to succeed in sales. So what we're learning about a lot of sales books is in most sales books you get at least 90 pages of prelude. And that prelude is why I'm credible, why I can justify telling you what I'm telling you, and why uh, and how I developed my system in order for you to understand that it's the right system for you. And in the second book in a row now, we're 
we're well into the prelude. I know a lot about him. Yeah, it, there's a lot about him. I, I, I mean, I wrote earlier on, I'm not convinced I'm a better salesman yet. There's a couple of things that have made me think a little bit. Like what? Uh, we'll get to them. But I, I'm right now I'm a bit like, come on, I need, I need some hard, fast, make me be a better salesperson. So what he starts talking about is that he, he went on this personal quest to be a better sales guy. Yes, he did, yeah. Now, I'll tell you what, that in and of itself is useful stuff. Um, I believe in that personal quest very deeply and the personal quest of constant and never-ending learning and improvement. You know, what was I doing this morning? I'm re-listening to NLP at Work by Sue Knight in the gym at 6 o'clock this morning. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm right behind the guy. He's 100% right, yeah. Um, and what he's saying is, it's interesting, my search for knowledge coincided with the transactional analysis trend of the late 60s. TA is a psychological theory that analyzes the structure of social interactions. I thought it could be applied to sales. Eric Byrne, author of Games People Play, originated the theory, and Thomas A. Harris popularized it with his book, I'm OK, You're OK, in 69. Now, do you know much about TA? No. So um, I know a little bit about it because my mate, when I grew up, his mum was a sex therapist and relationship therapist. Very funny. We used to break open the filing cabinets and read the case files. But that's another story altogether on another day. But his mum um, used to use TA in her couples counselling. I didn't. Just TA, by the way, stands for transactional analysis. And obviously she was a therapy freak and he went through loads of TA. It, it did actually make me think to myself... I want to learn more about transactional analysis because that seems to underpin a lot of his model. Games People Play is a really interesting book. Right, okay. I hit the thing then and created an audio blip after I told you off about not bumping your foot on the floor. Yeah, but the transactional analysis thing I liked uh, uh, and it made me want to find out more about that. Yeah, okay. Well, maybe we could, maybe we'll read some, maybe I'll read Games People Play and maybe I'll read it with a view to I wonder if it's useful to bring on the show. Possibly. Okay. Um, so then, then we go through the book and he's explaining really, there's a really interesting point here, which I thought was useful for the discussion. He said, when your foot hurts, you're probably standing on your own toe. Whether or not Look people... at that, that's what I wrote here. All right, so listen to, well, brilliant minds and all that, Michael. And he says, when your foot hurts, you're probably standing on your own toe. Whether or not salespeople like to admit it, there's no point trying to blame the prospect. The computer system or the economy. Correct. And he put, either yeah, you yeah. said or did something you weren't supposed to, or you didn't say or did something you were supposed to. And I wrote here, this coincides very much with the conversation I often have with candidates about what the ultimate sales job is. Go on. Well, often candidates say to me, is it a good job, is it a bad job? And often when I'm talking through with people about what is and isn't a good job, I often say to people, the definition of the perfect sales job is a job where if at the end of the year you've sold nothing, and you can't blame the product and you can't blame the company and you can't yeah, yeah. blame marketing. I agree with that. And that the only person you can blame is you, then it's a bloody good job. Well, I've got a, a client that a few of you will know. I know you, you probably know them, Johnny. And I placed a guy there who phoned me after about three months to give me a lead for someone else. And I said, is it any good? He said, he said it's brilliant because the only person that I can blame is me. Yeah. And, and, I, and I've I, got to tell you, the guy that said that is an absolute top-rate guy. I hope he's watching the show. Like it if you can be bothered. Uh, but he was a really top guy. I thought that was a really very fair valid, point. very valid. And then he went on, didn't he, to say, um, and you then could he... find the guy who was responsible by looking in the mirror. 
Yeah. So absolutely spot on that. And then what we're talking about here is, um, and, and what I, I thought fascinating here is this separation of identity from the work. Yes, yes, absolutely. So what do you, what do you reckon to this, Mike? Uh, you know, I thought two things about it, actually. I think, what did he call it? Role and, and identity. Role and identity. I thought to myself, there's part of... The, so, so basically, for those of you that haven't read the book, he, he says exactly as Jonathan says, that there's two parts to it. What One is, what is our own personal identity? And secondarily, what is the role that we are playing? And actually, those two things are different. And one of the things he says is, about Canvas calls, he said, they're not objecting to you when they put the phone down. They're objecting to the role that you play, and therefore that's why sales is a game. Yes. And it's a game that we're going to lose. Now, I, 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 I do agree with that, but I can't help but think that that was a mask that he created to stop his inner self getting hurt. Okay, I, I sort of get the whole concept of role and identity. It's a little bit like when your kids are naughty, they say to you, to tell when you're chastising a naughty child, you should always say, I love you, but I did not like what you just did. I don't say that to my kids. <laughs> <laughs> you say, I hate you. I don't say that. I say, you'll be naughty. Yes, but it's but what you're saying is, uh, and what he's saying is, you would separate the child from the behaviour. You would say, you are a good girl, but that behaviour is naughty. Well, I sort of don't agree with that. If it was one of my daughters, if it's honey, I'd say, that was naughty and you chose to do it. Yeah, same thing. You chose to be naughty. You chose to do it. You might be a good but you person, yourself but you chose to be naughty. And what he's saying is, you may intrinsically be good, but but actually sometimes shit happens to the salesman you. I don't think he was saying that. Actually. That's not he's how, separating that's it. That's not how I read it. He separated roles and analysis. But nonetheless, we're on the same point. I liked that, and I thought it was very... I thought it was really accurate, that. And then I don't know where we're at. Let's, let's stick on identity for a bit, because you, okay. know, you know that when I'm interviewing, the key question I ask is about identity. Yes, you say, if I met you in a bar and asked you what you did, what would you say? And I, I, I'm not always looking for the same response. I'm looking for congruence of response in identity. Yes, I know you are, yeah, yeah. Because you want to find somebody who, at an identity level, is a salesperson. It's congruent with the work they do. Now, what he's saying is... You can be incongruent with the work that you do. Yes. He's effectively almost promoting... Well, he's, well, he, well he said he didn't like sales. He says that earlier he's, in the book. Correct. He's almost effectively promoting being psychologically incongruent with your work. No, he's not. He's saying, he's saying you can be if you want. He's saying you can, you can not love the work, but just create a, this role persona that does the work. Yes. I... I'm bouncing this around with myself a little bit, and I get his transactional analysis model, but I think that's a very... Un My map of the world is NLP. In NLP, we would say that's an incongruence and a conflict. Yes, I get, one. I get that, yeah. And that, that would, in NLP, we call that parts. Okay. So if what, he, what he's saying is part of you is a salesman, and that part can do that, and that part... You can understand that that's the part of me that goes selling. He's calling it a role. In NLP, we call it parts. Mm. If you've got a part of you that doesn't really want to be there and a part of you that says, yeah, it's okay, that part of you that doesn't want to be there will always say to you, we shouldn't fucking be here. So what are you saying then? The most successful people are those who are at identity Definitely. and a role level of both sales. Correct. 
Yeah, so, uh, I'd agree uh, with you. Who are, co- who are psychologically congruent with the work. Now, I, what I don't believe is that there are many people out there who are 1,000% psychologically congruent with the work. You are. I'm not. You know, I'd rather have been a bloody rock star. If you said to me I could go back and be a rock star age 25, I'd have been a bloody rock star. I'd have been Angus Young or Sting. I'd have been like some sanctimonious dungaree-wearing, tantric sex-having, painful, <laughs> tree-hugging rock and roll star. There's no doubt about well, it. Well, it's the age-old question, though, isn't it? Is it our salespeople born? But am I a born salesman? Well, you ended up being one. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a good, am I good with it at this point in my life? Yes. But my point is, I think that there has to be a congruence to succeed. You have to own the work. Yeah, I mean, it's, there's no answer to it, is there? So I, I found that a really interesting part of his whole thing about roles and identity. And I, 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 I'd love to hear from people at home about what they think about that, because I, I thought that was fascinating. Well, that then does under, underpin a lot of the rest of the chapter, and, and, I, and I suspect probably the whole book, I would thought. What, the whole role and identity yeah, thing? very much so. Well, we'll find out. What, 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 you, what have you seen next? So my next thing here is... Uh, let's have a look. He was talking about why salespeople don't... Here's an interesting. So he talks about why why salespeople don't take risks. Oh yeah, just further down the page. Yeah, yeah. Pressure, guilt, and self fear will immobilise the sales system, and that's why it separates the identity and the role. And that was his justification for doing it. And I and I completely got that. I also thought he said here, Sandler is a way that transforms your life and also transforms your sales performance. Now I've always said this actually to a lot of people that I think selling is a very important life skill. Yeah. I think it's a really important communication life skill. Well, I'd still be single. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit like the old, the old Peter Crouch line, isn't it? What would you do if you hadn't been a footballer? What, what would you be if you hadn't been a footballer? Single. Yes, yes, yes. I remember. Yeah. And then I went on to do the exercise, actually. So what did you rate yourself as? I hope you did the exercise properly. I wrote here, I'm just a person. Well, no, the, but the exercise, I could see it I on your book. I sort of didn't do the exercise properly, if I'm honest. I oh, I did it. I didn't buy in. But well, what I thought, if you read the book, you've got to do it. So basically, for those of you that haven't read the book, you have to complete an exercise where you rate yourself um, down to a couple of different things. What are the different things you rate yourself on? It's basically, you've got to rate yourself. A, 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 you've got to write, here you go. Imagine yourself on a deserted island. The sky is clear, the wind is calm, the sea is smooth. You'll be on this island for only a few minutes. Here, I'll, I'll, shoot, I'll just cut to both of us. The sea is smooth. You'll be on the island for only a few minutes. Imagine now you arrived on the island without any roles. Roles such as husband, wife, CEO, accountant, sales manager, engineer, golfer, fisherman, and so on. They don't exist on this island. Now, using the scale that follows, rate yourself without any roles. Zero is lowest end of the scale, and ten is the highest. Where do you rate yourself on that scale? What value do you place on yourself without any of the roles that you play out in life? Go ahead and mark the scale now. And actually, I've sort of, you know, I've, I'm a very early riser and I've read this. I just sort of couldn't bend my head around thinking about it. I read well, do you know, it's just a man. Well, do, do you know what's interesting about that? I thought to myself that that just didn't suit me because I just didn't, I just don't care what the answer is. No, well, we've talked about this, you're not. So right. I just don't care. So I mean, I put six, I thought, actually. You give yourself six. I just, I just really didn't care about the identity. And then he goes on and he says, our success gave us our place in life. I was never. And I just think a lot of this chapter is absolute rubbish. It goes on about um, success is determined externally. I don't think that's true for me at all. I don't care less what anybody thinks. 
Maybe you're an incredibly intense. But then, no, no, but that's not true. Because then I think of some of the guys that I've dealt with recently. Dealing with a chap at the minute, who maybe is watching, who is, I think the phrase is probably, he's very Christian. You know, he's a Christian and he's very proud of and, and immediately tells you about his religion. And I think that people who are religious have a great deal of self-belief and then therefore they would look at that and just say, I don't care. I think, I think what I tend to find is people who have a strong faith... Strong tend, belief system of any tend, kind. Tend, ...tend to be, faith of any sort, tend to be much more internally referenced and much less bothered about the outside. What the yes, outside well, I'm, I'm not religious or anti either way, but I'm right. internally referenced. So I, didn't, so I sort of didn't like that really, actually, I must say. Um... And he's really gone to town, hasn't he, here on this whole... On the island. The island. But then he gives you an analogy about a castle and all the rest of it. I thought, you're really wittering on now uh, for me. Uh, This line here, I I, I wrote here, this is really big stuff, particularly in an Instagram world I wrote here. Perhaps you now understand it, why it makes no sense to use role performance as a measurement of your value as a human being. Success in the sales profession, for example, measures only how good you are as a salesperson. Failure as a salesperson, while unpleasant and painful, should not affect your value as a human being. Yes, because this chapter, to me, was starting to get into more of a self-help book than a sales book. Well, I wrote... That's not about technique of selling. And it was irritating me a bit, really. I wrote, try telling that to a 22-year-old millennial salesperson who is on Instagram all day posting pictures of themselves being beautiful. Yeah, you're right, 100%. I think that we don't live in that. Uh, Successful people recognise there's a difference between what you are and who you are, what your role is and what what your identity is. And I get it, he's trying to separate the role from the identity. But I mean, didn't you he's think, really gone to town trying to But didn't to talk you think that. that he was trying to psychologically help people who had a struggle be who had a struggle selling and trying to protect them? What I've got so far, I'm on page fifty-two, I think you're on a different page because you're on a different version of it. I've got here that what we've got here, you know, he talks about Sandler training theory. Start thinking of selling as a game. If you're playing a game with clear yeah, yeah. rules, you're well, we're about safe. the same place, because then he's going on to re- reinforcement training next. And then lots of reinforcement training. I th- it's almost like he's writing self-help for those that don't like selling. Correct, 100%. And that sort of started irritating me a bit, really. I see selling as a game. And actually, I, I often look at it as a game. I look at the, you know, over there on the TV, there's a scoreboard. Well, we've gamified the, the score. We've gamified the work. Yeah, yeah. And it's one of the reasons why, you know, we use that software Level 11 for so long. The ga- gamification industry is very powerful. See, I don't see it as a game. I, I would say I would say I see it more as a puzzle and where all the pieces fit, but I think he's talking about it being in a game to insulate people from the from the fear of losing. Um, and then he goes on: it's important to learn to fail, and there's five steps to failure. You get to that bit? Yes, I did. Go through the mic. Disbelief. When you fail, understand that disbelief is the first step. Okay, disbelief. Yeah, and then he talks about fear. So anger. just let's cover disbelief. Well, he's, first. he's actually stealing Kubler Ross's stages of grief. I didn't know that. I've never heard of him. Yeah, so but, if you speak to a grief counselor, that, that that's pretty much. But you lose the, the same. But you, the but, but, but you lose the cell, right? Do you go through those uh, those steps? What as a salesperson, five stages of fear. 
the failure. Five five steps to failure. Because he says there are five steps to failure. And then he yeah, talks and then he talks about anger. And he goes, once fear sets in their world will crumble. I'm fond of throwing shit when things oh, are going. Oh man, my dad once said to me on the golf course, he said You'd be blooder, bloody better off throwing the golf ball because you're so good at throwing the club. <laughs> yeah, I could throw the book of my own. I'm fond of And I tell you what, you told me this story actually about anger, about Serena Williams crying when she lost. Yes, yeah, it was about what do you call her? The Russian girl was laughing at her about it, and Serena said, Well, when I lose, I cry. Yeah, so Sandler's saying she's a failure. Uh, and Serena's point, I just think And Serena's point in the interview was, Damn right, I cry when I lose because I'm in it to win it. And losing hurts me terribly. Yes. So, but Sandler would tell her, "Well, you've got to separate Serena the tennis player from Serena the person." Yes, that's my point. And that's just nonsense. No, I, I concur. If you want to play it, do you think that Serena Williams would be as good a tennis player if she separated Serena the tennis player from Serena the person? Correct. No. She, and she said, "Yeah, damn right. I cry in the changing room after I lose in a major tournament because I turned up to win." Well, she won seven times. Yeah. And losing hurts her. Yeah. So, so I was starting to get a bit annoyed with the book, really, and, 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 and his a bit frustrated with it. But then he goes on about the turtle and the spider. God, I've heard that story about a billion times. Yeah, and it's the scorpion and the cow, anyway. Yes, yes, absolutely. What's he worried about an IP infringement over an old Aesop fable? But, but, but then he t- started talking about reinforcement, and I. And I don't know if this chapter or the next, actually, because I'm now back into reading the book. Let's go back a minute. Because I'll tell you something I'm going to give him here that I do like. And he starts talking, he finally starts getting to the bloody point before he starts talking about the the, the, the scorpion and the cow, which is he starts talking about self-awareness. Yes. Now, actually, I think we're at this point, and then he starts talking about the importance of the inner game. Yes. All right. And actually, I think he's bang on to something there. In the same way that, you know, your father will have told you, my father will have told me, that golf is a game played over six inches. No, my dad never said that to me. My dad said a little bit like what Sandler said, which is, golf's a game that's played between your ears. Yeah. And he was 100% right about that. Six-inch golf course between your two ears. Oh, is that what you meant? Yeah, Lev's always said it's a six-inch golf course, mate. It's from there to there. He's right. Yeah. Um, And actually, I think a lot of selling is as well. And he's, what he's actually talking about is an understanding of one's own self. Yes. And I, I think one of the things that does separate that we see as headhunters in this space is the top performers are very self-aware. Yes, they are. They are. I completely agree with that. And the top performers do reinforce. They're learning. Yes. Top performers spend money on their own training. I can't remember where, whether it was this chapter or, the, or, or chapter four, actually. But he makes some reference to top sports people, and he said, when do top, top sports people stop training? Oh, they don't. <laughs> Ever. Ever. You know, let's get it right. I don't know who the world number Who's the world number one golfer now? Jason Day? Don't know. Whoever it is, uh, that person is on a golf course, or is training on a golf course right now. Yes. 100%. Hitting down for the ball, practising. So now, luckily, so to answer your question on book versus audible, audible, very difficult, really, to read a book properly. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, I did think it was... I tend to find a a book washes over me via audio. Yes, because what I couldn't do with Audible, because I only read one chapter using Audible, 
is make notes and write it down and refer yes. to the book. Often if I'm listening to an audio book that I think is brilliant, I then go out and buy a paper version and then I mark the paper version, maybe. So if I listen to it in the car during the day, I might go home and literally just scribble in the, in the liners. Yeah, yeah, well, I can, I can see that, so I didn't like it. But anyway, now we're back on to condition, chapter four, conditioning yourself for success in sales. And let's, let's just go with his opening quote, which is, to get to the top of the sales profession, you've got to practice, practice, practice. Oh, that's what I was just saying, yeah. Find a system that works and learn it. Which we've talked about a lot over the last few weeks. Both talk talk Jordan, about in every book. Both with Jordan Belfort. Any have a system as long as it's a system. Yeah, yeah. Find a system that works and learn it. Spend enough time getting to know it, and soon you will own it. And then, even under pressure, you'll deliver. And I think that even under pressure point is a really interesting one. How many times have we had new starters where they've been reticent to learn scripts or systems? Well, the script is just a system. But and I've tried to explain to them that the whole reason that you learn the script or system is so that when you are in the heat of battle with some guy that earns half a million pound a year who's razor sharp and fast moving and fast thinking, you don't have to think and that you've bought yourself thinking time to listen to what the guy said instead of thinking about what you should say. Yeah, given yeah. that you've got no knowledge and credibility. And I think that that's the key bit is... What he's saying is if you practice enough and if you think about it enough and if it becomes important to you enough, in the heat of battle you will remain cool and sm and come up with smart stuff to say. I agree. Now this first point on this, so this is ten different points basically, I thought the first one, stay on the right side of the trouble line, was just 100% on the money. I thought it was absolutely perfect. You're massive on that. Oh, huge. And I, well, I'll tell you who's the biggest person that I've ever, ever met in 18 years as a sales recruiter, don't worry about touching many. I've touched Nina. Um, is years ago, I can't remember how long it is ago now, I placed John Ryder at uh, what was at the time called version one, now V1, part of Advanced. And I mean, it's a long time ago, this, hey John, if you're still out there, LinkedIn says you're still at V1, so I hope you're well. But I remember sitting down with him and he had this notebook and he uh, wrote down all his tasks and then he'd start all his tasks. And out of interest, I said to him, listen, what, what, tell me about that. And he said, well, what I like to do is break my tasks down into things that go towards my target directly and things that indirectly affect my target. He said, look at the, the, the things that directly affect my target first, I grade them and then do them. And then I look at the things that indirectly uh, affect my target and I grade them and do them. I said, all right. And then we got talking about it and he said, well, obviously I only do the things that directly affect my target between eight and six. And then the indirect things between my target I do outside of those hours. Wow. And I'll tell you what, John Ryder, if you're still out there, you could have written that chapter. Yeah. Stay on the trouble line is absolutely 100% right. Pay time is 9am to 5pm. And another thing I thought about this is, we had an office in WeWork in Devonshire Square, and all these, yeah, really cool people, they look more cooler than me, and they've got tattoos and whatever, and they were sat at their machines looking at Facebook, and I actually wanted to go up behind them and say, your boss is paying you to do that. And you're not making time. any money. Billable and that's time. what this guy's talking about, and he's 100% right, I thought. I think there's a really interesting point here it, it, in the opening line of the book about becoming a good professional salesperson requires the same type of training that other good professionals endure. Athletes, physicians, college professors, firefighters. You name the Firefighters. Right, right, yeah, yeah, like the Foofighters. <laughs> um, My the, daughter asked why they were called the Foofighters. Listen, he was five. Uh, and the people at the top pay a price every day to stay there. Um, the price they pay is their conditioning. 
That's not the same as the system they follow to succeed in the profession, but conditioning is an important part of the total success equation. And I, I, I couldn't agree more about this whole concept of the sales pro as an athlete. Completely right. And I'm a great believer that, you know, in sport, you get paid to turn, you know, sportsmen get paid to eat right, look right. They do, yeah. 100%. They get paid to, 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 we're back. We are back. So yeah, we just talked about burn your bridges, and what I was saying is that there's a lot of people on fairly, you know, decent sized basic salaries, but but I think a lot of the candidates are the very best ones I know that have that that have huge outgoings and burnt their bridges and are therefore very committed to it. You know, I remember you telling me you placed a guy on a pretty big basic salary last month, but the basic salary alone was absolutely nowhere near enough no. to get him to pay his new built house and his extremely expensive car and. All the rest of it, and I know it's a very overused sort of cliche. In the old days, they used to say marriage mistress mortgage, didn't they? It was very the three M's. Yeah, yeah. Clients used to ask for that. Well, the, the candidates or clients often used to say, I, "I want a candidate for whom it's just not, not an option." Yeah, yeah. Which is what he's saying. I agree with that. Okay, um, and I, I, and then he talks a little bit about salary is just another form of commission to a top per performing salesperson. In fact, there's no such thing as salary in the sales profession. Well, do you know it's interesting? A mate of mine, a guy called James, when, I don't know, when we were in our late 20s, he was very, very well paid. He was an economist, and he used to write economic models about the movement of labour across the public sector. Right. You know, really geeky stuff. And we had this conversation. He said, listen, man, I am on a commission-only job. I said, how are you on a commission-only job? He said, because if I get it wrong, I'll get fired. Correct. And, and I think a lot of people, actually, doctors, dentists, lawyers, you know, this concept of salary versus commission, you can look at it and say, actually, you know, a lot of the lawyers, doctors, whatever, if they drop the ball, they're going to get fired. It's just that the sales model is measured so much more, sort of simply because of a revenue model versus the package. I concur completely. And he, and he, he writes here, if you, if you now take a salary, I suggest you stop it. Get yourself on commission. Even if your employer won't pay you commissions instead of salary, mentally put yourself on commission. And I've often said, Mike, that... Um, every candidate should be forced to do a commission-only job at some point, usually approaching their mid to late 30s. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Um, it really sorts you out. You know, when we started Inward Revenue, I remember us sitting in the, in the, in the pod, yeah. knowing that we had, what, six, six weeks' money to live? Yes, yeah. And, and it was sell or pack it up and go and get a job. Uh, and by the way, Northern Rock had just collapsed. Oh yeah, Northern Rock had just collapsed and the economy had crashed. Um, and I think it, it does you the world of good knowing if I don't sell, I don't eat. It sharpens the mind. Yeah, very much um, so. And then he talks about daily journaling. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, now, I like you and I are both heavyweight daily journalers. Yeah, yeah, but uh, he does something in his journal that actually I don't do, which is he talks about the attitude assessment of how he's got on, basically. Um... I sort of quite like that, but I think there comes the. Uh, I, I sort of thought to myself, I'm going to collect all this data, then what am I going to do with it? Yeah. I just thought. I mean, that's I, a but, bit but you and I really. both. Um, I mean, my, my day book is nearer than yours. Uh, we're both obsessive about having a. I'm just coming back. 
you know, I'm quite OCD about mine, you are OCD about yours. I mean, I, I plan my week at the start of the week and then I have a day plan every day. I don't know if anyone can see that, obviously I'm, there's GDPR involved here, so I'm going to put the thing away pretty quick. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, he, he's talking about really getting stuck into high quality day planning, isn't he? Yeah, very much so. Uh, I, I, I liked his prospecting system piece. Go on, in what sense? Uh, do you know what it is? I like the title. You must work a prospecting system. Because I'll tell you what I've seen so many people do in loads of different environments. You know, I paid my way to university by selling double glazing. And you used to get, literally, each night you got given a, a page of the directory. And you used to have to canvas your way through it. And it didn't matter what the system was. They had a system, the guy that owned it was a millionaire. Um, I think that a lot of people don't get into prospecting properly, don't have a system, go about it half ass and then, do you know what, don't get any results. And I think by virtue of the fact that it's created a prospecting system, um, I, I was very sort of fond of that. Um, and so again, he talks about burning bridges, then he talks about get mentally and emotionally tough. Oh, so you're going backwards and forwards in the book now. A, a little bit, yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so. And I wrote here, okay, how? I don't like that. I thought... You're not really giving me any information on how to become mentally and healthful, mentally and emotionally. I think that should have been linked in his in his role versus identity thing. Really, yeah. is what he's referring to there. And then he talks about maintaining healthy self-esteem. Well, okay, how? Cultivate a support group. I like that. And then it starts getting interesting about practicing silence on page sixty-nine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now you and I are big fans of a bit of silence, aren't we? I remember once Peter Ingram giving me a load of shit that he used to on Howard Jackson. What have I written down here? <laughs> what have I written down there? Pete Ingram. Pete that, was Ingram. Like a, that was like a magic show, wasn't it? Pete Ingram, yeah. And I can remember thinking to myself, I'm not talking. I'm not talking. Looking at a watch thinking, God, I've been silent now for a minute. I've never known anyone use silence as effective. And there's only two of us in the room. So you'd sit down for a, a review with this guy and you'd go in the room and the review would go basically something like this. Jonathan. Just hello, Pete. <laughs> And then you go, I'm really unhappy with my performance, Pete. <laughs> Wouldn't you? Yeah. And that's what, literally, he wouldn't say anything other than, Mad. Mad. And he would wait. And I he don't would know hold where he got that from, though. He's a teacher, wasn't And he, he would hold silence indefinitely. He would hold silence for five or ten minutes if he had to. I know. Well, I remember one silencing him out. And, <laughs> and I mean, fortunately, he cracked. But that's only because I'm so belligerent. <laughs> But I reckon we'd still be sat there with him now. He could hold the silence for 10 minutes if he had to. Amazing. But equally, I do think that so many salespeople could learn so much from that one sidebar in the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Practice silence. Just shut up, stare at somebody and wait till they speak. It's amazing how much stuff they'll tell you. Uh, what do you think about this Know Your Competition stuff? What do I think about it? I, mean, I don't have any competition, so it's difficult for me. Really? Fearless. Put, I think if I put myself... Fearless, Mike. Boss. Yeah, yeah. I think if I put myself in that situation, it's a tough one. Because I, I, I tell you, the, the answer I would give you here is actually a Millerheimer answer. Go on. I think Millerheimer would say, leverage your own strengths, not other people's weaknesses. I agree. I would say, know your client's pain, know your client's need. Focus on your own game. Yeah. And the very, very, and, and very best salespeople I meet focus on that level. I think, respectfully, this suits the CCS medias of the world. We've not... 
but it's funny because so many strategic salespeople love this. So many quite senior well, guys. You know, I mean, so I'll, it might be that as we get deeper into the book, we might go on on a minute. Which well, well, got yeah, I mean, I've got to say, do you know what? 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 I've you know, we're at the end of this chapter now, really. But pretty much, I, I, I have like I've read this book before, and I have liked reading this book. I think it is one that I would definitely would definitely make my top ten sales books to read. I joke it. I'm talking the top five, but I need it to get better. Yeah, I, I need it to get better now. For me then to turn around to the other people who love it, and for me to honestly hand on heart to them, a lot of them used to work at Advance to say, I can understand why you like that so much, I'm completely into it, I'm going to completely buy it. Yeah. And as yet, I'm not there. And unfortunately, like a lot of these writers, it's just waffle, you know, God. Well, what I'm finding with a lot of the sales books that we're reading now that I'm becoming a, a, an experienced critical analyst of sales books is, you know, we're at 76, 80 pages into the book, I've got a few interesting points to talk about, but by and large, really, most of this is prelude to A, selling me some Sandler Yeah, where's the juice? Yeah. It, don't write me a book and then not tell me some... Re- I, want some I want some stuff. I want, I want to be... You want a formula? Yeah. Now, if what you're telling me is, I've written a book and it's a brochure to get you to buy some Sandler sales training, then say it at the start... Yeah, I mean, you're right, you're right, but I, I, I agree with you, but I've got to say, the book so far, I think he's quite good, actually. Yes, and it's got me thinking about a few things, it's got me thinking about professionalism, it's got me thinking a little bit more about maybe reassessing some of the identity stuff and thinking about that, um, and being congruent, um, it's, no, it's, but got, it has, it's, it's got me thinking. It isn't going to change your level of congruence, though, is it? No, I'm, I am who I am, I'm 46 years old, for God's sake. So, so next week we will record, uh, we'll be doing a recording next week, uh, this must sound like I'm some kind of international bloody playboy, next week I'm in Mallorca for a few days. Um, I'm in Mallorca? (laughs) Where are you going Jonathan? Um, Mallorca. Whereabouts in Mallorca? I don't know, Port Adriano I think it is. Oh right, somewhere really shit then. No, it's quite nice where I'm going. Um, So I'm in Mallorca for a few days, going out to meet the missus. Um, so we will record which one your wife hey. <laughs> so uh, we'll record next week's probably on Monday oh good we're going to have to do yeah so we're going to have to read chapters I'll read 5 this, and 6 over I'll read the weekend, this to my kids tonight and we'll record I'll say come on honey we're reading chapter 5 yeah and we'll record over the weekend ok looking forward to your weekend uh, I am yes I am I've got to take my dog for a haircut enjoy <laughs> I've got the house to myself because the missus is away so I shall be uh, watching a lot of sport. And, and, yeah, and, and yeah, I'm disappointed about England going out to the World, World Cup final. Heartbreaking. But, but it does mean I can watch the Wimbledon final instead. Yes, you can. And you won't be conflicted. No, 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 exactly. Right, great. See you all next week. Bye-bye.